let's do that with a bull moose not just us let's or an animal like you said i'm not sure about a bear because they're so curious that they would pick up on it they'd smell it and they'd walk away with it definitely like a people thing it's like a little star wars creature there a little robot this little guy fits right in that pocket so you always have it with you right just in arm's reach and you flip it out and it's perfect i don't know we're always in situations where wildlife is not at that far of a distance i think it's a very refreshing time to be a wildlife photographer Shh, don't tell anybody <laughs> Welcome to Wild and Exposed, your wildlife photography and outdoor adventure podcast. Today's episode, Michael Morrill, Ron Hayes, and myself, Mark Raycroft, are here to revisit our first year as a podcast team and what we've gone through together, how much fun we've had, and just reflect on the year as it wraps up. And truth be known, we've only been live on the web since July. But we've been working at this since last December and have had a lot of very fun experiences growing together, getting to know each other more, as well as getting to know our audience and meeting more and more people in the field and just generally having a great time sharing our passions with you and with each other. We don't have Doug. Doug Gardner is not with us today. He is busy on an exciting big project. So we wish him luck with that and we look forward to him joining us on an upcoming podcast. So just to touch base, guys, I want to start with Michael, because I know you are in a place that we all enjoy being at, and you've just arrived back in Alaska, right? Yep. Came up uh, a couple of days ago, and I'll be here through like the first week in January, and I just wanted to, uh, well, I wanted to check things out after that earthquake, for one. That was the big thing. See how, see how we fared up here, and then I also wanted to uh, just do some winter stuff in Alaska, and I tell you what, it's really winter here. It's Colorado is not winter. It's cold, but it's brown. Here you get snow and you get all kinds of moody clouds, and it's been pretty cool. It looks like winter. I mean, I know. I think the biggest handicap for me to be in Alaska during the winter months would be the shorter day lengths. But definitely, it looks like winter. I keep an eye on the forecast year-round of my favorite destinations. They're all programmed into my weather app. I have like eight of them. So when I open it, I can see, well, what I'm expecting wherever I'm at and where my favorite locations are as well. And it's I find it interesting for the coastal region of Alaska, it's often warmer there than it is in central Ontario, in northern Ontario, Algonquin Park area. It seems to be this cold sink. So even though I see a lot of snow there, how cold is it? Is it tolerable yeah. to go hiking today? Or? Yeah, we went up to uh, a favorite place up on the top of the mountains, just where we go in the summertime when we're looking for moose and things. And I was up there today, and it was the parking lot was full. So it's just a bunch of people out cross-country skiing and doing their thing. So there's plenty of opportunities to be out there. And I don't know, I think you just, when you're in a place like this, you're, you know that that's what it is, and you just dress for it, and you go do it. There's a lot of fat tire bikes running around. There's... It's busy. You know, I, I visited a, uh, another place that we all go to look for moose. I went there today, too, and just tons of people out doing their thing. So awesome. I think it's just a frame of mind. You know, I think it's actually colder in Denver today than it is up here in Anchorage. Um, you know, when I was talking to my folks who live in the southwest part of Colorado, it was 10, 10 degrees Fahrenheit. And here today it's 24, according to my watch right now. 
So it's not bad. I think it's just a state of mind is what it is. You just got to go out there and, and know you're going to be doing it. You know, I was on this project a couple of weeks ago in Minnesota, and it was like 24 degrees, and I'm thinking, oh, man, this is going to be horrible. I'm going to be freezing. But I'll tell you what, when you're out there walking, and, you know, we, it was pretty much nonstop walking all day, you stay plenty good. If there's a little bit of physical activity, I think you're good. You know, it's all a mindset. Yeah, I think the coast of Alaska is a great area because it doesn't get that cold. Whereas if you're in central Alaska or up Fairbanks way, that's a different different picture, right? Far colder than it is six or eight hours south where you are. It's fun to watch the, the news at night because you'll see the you know, the state's so big. So they'll be showing the Anchorage temperatures or southeast Alaska temperatures. I was watching Ketchikan catch the other night was 40. But then you go up to Fairbanks and it's like minus two. Or then you go further north to Fairbanks and it's minus whatever. I, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just a, a huge variance. But even up there, I think people just don't, they just go. I mean, it's just, sure. it's just yeah. nonstop. It's lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. You just dress for it and pre- prepare for it and I think you can make it work. And, you know, the other day when I was out shooting in that thing in Minnesota, I was worried about my cameras, but they did fine you know, all day long and really cold temperatures. So, Well, if you keep hiking over the next week or so, and if you or Missy find any giant moose antler sheds, I expect a text photo because well, I'm living vicariously through you right now that way. Yeah, I, I think it's probably right around the time, right around the season when you should be able to go find those things, you know, from now until Definitely. till probably the end of January is probably a pretty good, pretty good looking. But there is a lot of snow, so I think if you're going to get out there. One thing, I I haven't spent that much time here in the winter collectively over the last 20 years. So I don't really have, you know, in the summer or in the fall, I can take you to moose every day, right? You just know where they're at. But in the winter, it's a little different. So you just got to kind of, I got to spend some time figuring out where to go and what to do to find those things. My buddy has some up at his house. He found some last year, and he actually found it around December 15th. Mm-hmm. So, oh. which is kind of early for a shed, but it was brand new, falling off, and uh, nice and brown and dark and really pretty. Some of those big ones should be off now. And if you find a sheltered pocket area in a valley with a lot of evergreens and stuff, you might just find where they've been holed up because of the snow and out of the wind. And, you know, the, obviously the the trails will let you know that they've been there in the beds, and then that's probably your greatest chance of finding them, but... Yeah, I wish I was putting on some miles that way. Well, next year, that'll be a podcast. Next December, we'll just do this all in person here from Anchorage. <clears throat> That'll be fun. I am going to head north in the next week or two into some moose country, so who knows. But it's not quite as densely populated as it is around the Anchorage area, so your odds are far higher. Ron, how's it going in Wyoming? Good. It's been, uh, we finally had a little bit of winter. We finally got a little snow, but when I say a little, I mean... You know, maybe two inches in places, not much at all still. But it did get cold, finally. Uh, it's been really unseasonably warm, so I think we can use a little bit of cool weather. And uh, we need to get some more snow in the in the sagebrush to hold it for the spring. Right. How about the cats? Any more sightings of the cats? Are they still around? Oh, I've gone back up a couple times, have not seen anything. Uh, I got a report from a rancher, and it, it kind of sounds like you know, like we talked about earlier, when I went up back up to the spot where they were originally, there was a lot of deer activity 
And if there was cats holed up there, you would think that the deer would move out. So I, I kind of, when I saw the deer, I didn't, I didn't have real high hopes that they were, they were going to be there. Uh, but the rancher said that they had kind of moved around the edge and it sounds like, um, there's strong possibility they're following the elk. So they kind of moved around the point and they've been hunting around this big reservoir. Uh, the rancher saw him. He said they ran actually a deer. He watched them run a deer out onto the ice and deer lost traction. And the, the cat took the deer down on the ice and then drug it off. So wow. I wish he would have told me that that day. <laughs> wow. No kidding. That was uh, about a week and a half ago. Yeah. So wow. it was, it was, neat story but i would have loved to have been able to get film or footage of it so a lot of reports you know we talked a while back about having that network and and i've got a lot of people giving me reports of wildlife right now now it's just trying to find the time to to get out and kind of choose the ones that sound the most reliable and try to run them down and see see what's exactly going on right so keep us posted if I you will. have any excitement that way. Uh, yeah. Well, weather here in southern Ontario has been all over the map. We've had days where it's unseasonably warm. You walk around in the sweater, and then it pours rain for a day. Then it freezes up solid. It's been it's been everything you can imagine. And I haven't been out. I felt a little under the weather. I had plans, big plans, this week with the, with the kids home to get them out and have some fun together on places we've done other uh, family holidays, uh, for pine martens and fox and moose in one destination. And I was going to try these owls and these other, other locations, snowy owls. It looks like it's a very good year for them. Uh, great grays. I haven't seen much report on the great grays, but lots of snowies. So those are on the to-do list, but because of a bit of a, bit of a flu bug, I've been held up for a few days, but next week that's hopefully something I'll get around to scouting a, a and doing, but unfortunately without the kids, because I have to head back to their destinations in the new year. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I don't have much report. It's been a slow week, slowest week of the fifty-two for me. <laughs> I think it's uh, I think your body just says, okay, you know what? You've been blowing and going for a whole year. Maybe it's time to just chill out for a second, there, Mister. Well, there's some of that going on, but hopefully it won't last much longer. So, did you guys get anything super cool photography-related-wise for Christmas? Oh. I, I was talking to one of you earlier today, and I know we're going to come up on this subject, so I know what you got. Right. And I want to hear about it, because I want one. Right. So, I'm bringing it up, because our listeners potentially will want one. I've and got I know, one. Yeah. And, and I know, <laughs> that's right, <laughs> I know Ron, so I'm talking about Michael and his gift, but I know Ron has or had one, and he has a totally different take on it so far. So let's why don't we jump in there and hear about this gadget that's been the buzz for a month. And, you know, I've told quite a few friends about it without having my hands, my mitts on one of these yet. And one of my buddies ordered like four for his whole family. <laughs> and I, I haven't talked to him yet. And I, I emailed him yesterday, and I, I said, said, Brad... Do you love it or what? And I haven't heard back. So what's going on with this? I'll let, I'll let you, Michael, it was your gift. What'd you get for Christmas? So it's the, what do they actually call it? Is it the mini Osmo? Osmo mini? Osmo Pocket. 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 Osmo Pocket. Pocket. Yep. DJI Osmo Pocket. So here it is. 
Um, everybody, nobody can see it. Uh, you guys can see it because we're on it's Skype talking, tiny. but it's very tiny. And that was the thing that first struck me the most. And I know Ron had said something about his being so tiny, but I think it's pretty cool. Um, everything I've done has been pretty sweet as far as shooting. Now, you look on the internet, there's all kinds of people. There's a lot of fans, and then there's also a lot of detractors. I think for what it is, it's pretty cool. You know, so you're it's a three not three-axis gimbal camera, all-in-one system that fits in your pocket. Yep. Right. And is you just the, hit a little button. Good, quick summary. And it turns on, and on right. this, it's actually got a little screen on it, so you can see exactly what you're shooting. Right. It's it's pretty sweet. You can hook your phone up to it, and then you can run the camera via your phone. But then all of a sudden, this little device ends up becoming a whole lot bigger because you got your phone hooked up to it. But apparently they have a little Bluetooth device that's going to click onto the bottom, and that's not out yet. But when that happens, you'll be able to Bluetooth to your phone, which is kind of cool. I think that would be pretty sweet. But for what it is, it's I like it. I love it. I think for doing what I do for a quick vlog or for something right. that I do when I'm filming a project, I would use it a lot. I'm not looking for getting, you know, Emmy award winning footage with this thing. But if you're just out there to document something or if you want something very fast, it, I think it's perfect. And it shoots 4K footage. We think about it for our hiking in when we're doing our wilderness trips to have something that is so accessible so quickly with no added weight that can help us show behind the scenes. And we have different tools that we've been using over the past year to do that that have been quite effective. But require a longer setup time and are bulkier. So my hope is this is the ticket for our vlogging, for our YouTube channel, for a lot of our content of, of the B-roll when we're hiking and telling our story or the hacks when we're showing gear. We're talking about our ingenious boot dryer that we've come up with. You know, we can right. record that right at the moment, right there, but just pulling this thing out of the pocket. So. I'm excited about it. I haven't ordered one because I knew Ron had one in hand, so I was just waiting to hear a thumbs up or a thumbs down. So, Michael, you are giving it a thumbs up. For what it is, I'm giving it a huge thumbs up just because I think it – don't expect to go out and get, like I said, really award-winning footage. If well, you expect to on. just get cool vlog stuff and you expect to get just really quick stuff and at 4K – and it's something that's watchable. How many of you watch YouTube videos where you're like, oh, the story's good, but this footage sucks. But you keep watching it because the, the story is good, right? If this will allow you to get the story, yeah, it may not be perfect. But if it's fast enough and steady enough to give you a good story, then I think it's all worth it. A lot of I'm the a little concerned. You've got this qualifier. You're saying that it's not quite good enough. I mean, if it's shooting 4K, why is it not impressing me on YouTube? So... Just quickly, comparison, if you put the Osmo Mobile 2 on a high-end smartphone and you shoot it in 4K, how does that footage compare with what you see coming off of this? Well, I guess Which, I need to qualify that, right? I, I'm The footage is great. I think the footage okay. looks fine. I don't think it's going to compare with the Red or it's going to compare oh, yeah, with yeah. the Sony okay. or whatever. So, Got it. So I guess if you compare that, but if you're doing vlog footage, 
most of this, the problems that you hear about other people talking about, and I haven't really had that much problem, but I shoot a lot of stuff. So I'm, I kind of adjust for a lot of the things that I think somebody that doesn't shoot a lot of footage, they may not adjust for. But a lot of people are complaining that when you're walking, you get a little bounce. Well, yeah, you're gonna, but you have to kind of adjust your steps. It's not the end all be all. It does take out some of the shakes. So you just got to kind of to watch that. A lot of people don't like the fact that you have to hook up your phone to it to get to make it all work you know with, with have all the adjustments because basically if you're just using it as it is with this little device you don't have a lot of adjustments as far as going in and adjusting your uh, iso or right so bluetooth to the phone you don't have to physically have it connected but bluetooth well and that's not out yet that's another thing that people have been really complaining about is they come out with the device and then all these accessories that they say are going to come out aren't out yet so everybody is a little disappointed that they can't get, all you can get is this right now. You can't get the little Bluetooth uh, attachment for the bottom, which gives you Bluetooth connectivity oh, to your okay. phone. So you so, have to physically connect your phone right now to program it. But when you disconnect, then those settings are in place? Yeah. And, and that's in pro mode. You know, if you want to enter pro mode, which gives you a lot more uh, adjustments, you know, so. Right. But I haven't been messing around with that at all with the phone. I just kind of turn it on and start shooting. You know, if I'm driving, I'll give it to the passenger, let them shoot out the window or shoot towards the, the road or whatever we're doing, shoot the snow and just little little fun stuff that I was doing at Christmas time. It's been great. I thought, I think it's awesome to have. It's just a tool. It's just another little tool that I think is pretty darn cool. The downside, I think, would be it's only, I haven't, tested it but i think i read on the internet it was an hour and 40 minutes the battery okay so if you're going to rely on this all day every day you know but you can put external power to it so you'd you have to have it yeah up. booster yeah yeah charger so then all of a sudden then it gets you know that much bigger but for such a little device i mean who'd have thought that the site you remember in the old days when you had a little dictate dictation tape recorder no, it was never me. I never did that. <laughs> so in college, I had this little dictation mark or a recorder thing, yep. which was like about the size of a half of a deck of cards. That's right. about what this is. It's a half a deck of cards. It's giving you 4K video. So, you know, and it's got, it comes with this fancy little case. You throw it in your pocket and you pretty much have it with you all the time. So I, okay. I'm, I'm a fan so far. I mean, I'm sure I'll find things I don't like, and I'm sure I'll find things that, that are pretty amazing about it. I haven't had it long enough to try a bunch of right. stuff, but but it's pretty sweet. I know, okay. Ron, you had a problem. Yeah, you had ordered that, this before I got the one I have. Well, it was it was my Christmas gift, but we were doing a, a trip, so I just I wanted to have it early so I could get a little bit of footage of the trip and kind of try it out. Everything I've seen online, um, it is the it is the tool for what you know, what we're looking for. Uh, the issue is about 15, 10 to 15% of them don't, you can't register them. They won't, um, sync up to the, uh, the DJI app that they have for it. They don't have a solution. They're offering no customer service for it. They just basically have just made a blanket statement. If it won't connect, just take it back to wherever you got it from and return it and trade it out. I uh, tried to do that. Unfortunately, they didn't have one. 
Uh, so I had to order it and it should be here this week. So hopefully we'll get it linked up and then start to get some uh, content with it. But I, I do, I think it's the tool that, that we're looking for to be sitting in the blind, um, sitting in the blind, have a little conversation, get a little footage of behind the scenes kind of stuff while you're, while you're waiting for the wildlife to show up or even, you know, I thought of on that hike up the hill in, uh, after the doll sheep, it, it would have been a fantastic tool because it's only, I mean, it's not maybe half a pound. It's really small. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, otherwise you have to de- dedicate so much time to the setup of the larger gimbal yeah. and the DSLR, to, you know, and that does the job, but this just creates so much versatility for us. We could all have one in our pockets and, and if something cool yep. is happening, one of us is 40 yards further up, we don't have to stop necessarily, and we can just film it. The other person thought something, the perspective was interesting. And then we pool all that stuff, and our vlogs will be that much better for 2019. Yeah. For everybody on yeah, our YouTube I, channel. At Wild and Exposed Podcast. Tool, I, don't have, I don't have any animosity towards DJI. I just, when I look back, I mean, the same thing happened when they released their uh, Mavic drones a couple years ago there was a certain percentage of them that just didn't connect to the app. And so they couldn't be registered, couldn't be used. It happens, but, and they have, there was initially, uh, you know, some of the rumblings Mike talked about, there was also some focus issue where people were trying to do footage of themselves and it wasn't focusing on them, but they've, they've released a new firmware update and they've got that issue resolved. So they are working on some of the issues with, uh, with the camera system itself. But if you're one of the unfortunate ones that gets one of those 15%, just return it and start over. Right. I was wondering if, if, you know, when I signed up, so I have, I don't know, three or four of the DJI devices, like a Mavic and the the Ronin. And so I had an account. Osmo 1, Osmo 2. Yeah. And I had an account with DJI to start with, right? So I thought maybe that made it easier. It just, my account was already set up. I I'm in it all the time using these other devices. I wonder if when I just registered this one, if it was just easier because that pipeline was already there. That pipeline was established. Ron being a new user, you know, that has to go get set up. I don't know. I'm just speculating. And and maybe that was a problem where not that he didn't know what he was doing, but he's just a new user. And then it just didn't have that pipeline set up. I don't know. I don't know enough about software to know if that makes a difference or not, but who knows? I mean, I took, Five minutes, and I even did it down at my folks' place, and they have the world's slowest internet, and it took forever to download the software and download the. I had to download the app, and then I had to download the firmware, and update the little device, and it took forever, but it worked. So, pretty cool. I mean, you can see it in my hands here, and we'll put some pictures in the show notes. But it's sure just super tiny, and I find. You know, I, I always wear pants nowadays that has have the sandwich That's pockets. good. Good to hear. I'm glad to hear that's changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wear these pants that have sandwich pockets because I always want a place for my phone, right? Well, this little guy fits right in that pocket. It's perfect. So you always have it with you, right? These in arm's reach and you whip it out and take your shots and go make this magic. Yeah, this is good. We're going to have that much more material for our vlogs, but we're also going to be that much more watchful of one another, I think, too. <laughs> yeah. If it's, if it's just yeah, within right. reach. <laughs> and it's fast. Watch this. So 
Okay, I'm pulling it out of the little device or the little holder, and then I hit a button, and we're gone. It's recording right now. Oh, it's like a little Star Wars creature there, a little robot. Yeah. Yeah. What's, I have a question about the, is there any zoom capability worth mentioning on it? As far as for wildlife, I mean, it's good for the B-roll telling the story of, of where you are. And I know with the Osmo 2, setting it up on the smartphone, I learned within a couple of weeks of playing with it not to zoom in because the quality just deteriorated so rapidly when you zoomed. So it was better. Maximum was the two times that the phone would handle on its own. But what's does this thing have any of those capabilities or basically what you see is what you get for the, the lens? Uh, as far as I know, what you see is what you get. I think it's, it's definitely like a people thing. I don't know. We're always in situations where wildlife is not at that far of a distance, right? They're walking by you or something. And for that kind of stuff, it'd be fine. But if you had a, I don't know, a bull elk a hundred yards off. Yeah. It's, it's just going to be a dot, you know, there's not much you can do with it, but this is more about telling our story, the behind the scenes and stuff like that. So I don't, <clears throat> I don't know. You know, there's probably other things that you can do. I would hope once they have that little base, I would think that you'd be able to set it up like on a trail 20 yards ahead of you and and then hit record and then walk by it and it will follow you. And yeah, I think it actually has that functionality. I, I know it does. It has that functionality built in where it will follow you. If you set it on a table, it'll you can walk around and the camera will follow you. Let's do that with a bull moose, not just us Let's, or an animal. Like you could set I'm not sure about a bear because they're so curious that they would pick up on it, they'd smell it, and they'd walk away with it. But something like an elk or a moose or an an some bird or animal that doesn't care would pick up on the scent. That'd be cool if you just set it down, walked away, knowing that's the, the probable path to travel. That'd be cool footage as it kind of scanned with it as it went by. Yeah. That'd be different. If, if, if it would lock on that and do that, I, I'm not sure if we'd be able to set it to do that. I think it has a facial recognition, so it'll, it'll follow a face. I'm not sure it works with an animal the face. Animal faces might not qualify. Yeah, I don't know. It's worth a okay. shot. We'll try. We'll yeah. try. Because it may be just a big movement, a big thing moving in the image. A primary subject is what it would lock on. It'd be cool. We could try, try it with uh, your German Shepherd. Yeah. You know, set it and see if it'll track summit running around and if it does then that tells us we can use it for that too yeah it would also be good you could try it on a bird feeder you know where you had squirrels coming in or, or birds coming in you could try it there and just see if that works right. yeah there i mean go. sky's the limit yeah. it's so small it's, it's like when you used to see all the you know what you just said with bears you'd see people putting gopros down in the water where the fish salmon are swimming and then that bear immediately walks over and says, what's this in my river? And what's this plastic thing? And they start chewing on it or whatever. Yeah, I think um, just getting that different perspective is what this is going to do for us. Right on. Well, I didn't get one of those for Christmas, but I got a, a new Garmin inReach to keep me safe in, in extreme nice. wilderness. Yeah, a new version for that. And uh, I'll play around. Every trip I've been on, there's... When I go remote, if I'm with a buddy, my friend Bill and I, we do a lot. He always has his, so I've never really taken it along. So that'll be something to play with, too. But but I'm going to have to play Santa again very soon, even though that's already gone by, and look into uh, a pocket for storytelling. Because the Osmo works fine, but again, it's it's another big thing in the backpack. It doesn't lay flat, and you've got to, I've got to make my smartphone naked. 
I've got to take the case off of it to mount it on the Osmo. Don't mind doing that. It's good for storytelling, but it's a different, you know, it just takes time. That's the one, dis the one thing that I'm disappointed in on this is the, the attachment that actually attaches to your smartphone. Same thing. I have to take my case off to be able to connect it. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that's where I think when they come out with that Bluetooth base and you can connect yeah. to the phone with Bluetooth, that's going to be the ticket. That'll be the, the, the thing that it, you know, I wonder if that'll draw more power. I'm sure it will, so it'll probably cut your power down a little bit. But you can plug in an external power source and probably charge it fairly quickly in the field if you have an extra little battery with you. That makes sense to order as well. Yeah, do some research and get a good battery source for those days in the field when you don't want to run out. Mind you, an hour and 40 minutes would be a lot of logging time. Right. <laughs> if, that's, if that's the battery life. That would do. That would probably do me for a day easily. You would keep an editor busy for a, about a week with an hour and Long, minutes. Longer than I want to. Longer than I want to pay for right now. Yes, exactly. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or myself just cutting it. All right. Let's let's roll into our pro tips before we get into reminiscing and and hugging out all of our fun trips that we've had this year. Let's do our pro tips for this week to give some people some hacks to think about. Michael. Show us what you've got. So you've already kind of done it. I mean, we've with this pocket, but that's yeah, that's bonus. That's Christmas. Yeah, presents. and I'm not a pro at this yet. This is one of those deals where you got to have to play with it a little bit to to become really proficient with it. And I'm sure we'll see all kinds of cool stuff. For a pro tip, what I was thinking about, and what really kicks in this time of year for everybody—well, for not everybody, for a lot of people—is fitness, right? So, I started doing this wildlife photography thing about 25 years ago and you realize how much effort it takes when you're packing camera gear in now it's gotten a lot easier and we talk about that all the time the cameras aren't as big the the lenses aren't as big so you don't have to carry a tripod unless you're shooting video like I do so it's a lot easier to get around but I find when I'm in shape I get way more effective I get way better pictures I can get where I want to go faster I can do all kinds of stuff so my pro tip is to, to make an effort to, if you aren't in shape, get yourself in shape and then try to figure out a program that, that really works. I recently got one of the, the uh, Peloton bikes, and I'll tell you what, that thing is pretty awesome. But I'm the kind of person that needs a little competition, so I need to have something that pushes me. I can go in and ride an elliptical or run on an elliptical for for an hour but it's torture it's like oh man this is gonna kill me and I have to cover up the numbers because I don't want to see how much time I have left I don't want to know anything I just want to do it and sometimes I'll peek I'll look I'll lift up the towel to see you know it's surely I've been on this thing for 45 minutes and I'll peek and it's like at 15 minutes and I'm like oh god what's happened with this Peloton is uh it's a it's a device that allows you to compete with other people all across the country so it's tied into the internet you can actually take a live class or you can take a, a class that has been taught already but it's still on their servers but what it does is it gives you a ranking within however many people are in that class so if you do a class that's been um, if a class has been let's say a class ran two days ago if you say oh, I'm going to take this class it's a 60 minute endurance ride 
you, you log into that, it starts from the very beginning as though you're taking it live. You actually see the instructor, they tell you what to do, what your heart rate should be at, what your cadence should be at, what your output should be at. And so you're watching all this stuff and they're changing it based off of their, their abilities as an instructor to get you to, to reach the maximum effectiveness. And what you do on their side over here is you see where you're at within that whole class. And for me, it's like that huge carrot because I'll see, oh, if I just go a little bit faster or if I get a little bit more output, I'm going to get 10 spots ahead. And so it, it's fun. It's actually turned into kind of fun for me to, to get on that thing. And an hour passes by in no time flat. So that's not for everybody, but that was something that I've been looking at. And I've always been doing fitness, and I just think... To pay attention to that is is it's definitely got me further faster mm-hmm. overall just being in shape. So I would just say take a look at fitness, and this time of year people always do anyways. So that's, that's some crazy tip. technology, crazy technology. I'm a hundred percent on board, especially you know where we are in life. We want to keep up with whatever species we're pursuing or photographing or staying ahead of. Actually, is how we have to do it. So. Yeah, totally. And through the winter months, paying attention to that, hiking lots, snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, whatever people can do or are willing to do, right? I mean, that's part of my, you have to find an interest and keep at it. But I've never heard of that technology. So is there, just out of curiosity quickly, is there a membership fee to that too? Because you're tapping into that technology constantly online, right? Yeah. Subscription kind of thing, right? That's exactly what it is. And it's about 40 bucks a month, but you figure, Missy will write it, I'll write it. So now we're at 20 bucks per person, right? And that's about what you're going to pay at some gyms, not all gyms, but some gyms are going to cost that much. And then there is a cost to the bike too, because you have to buy that technology that is built into that bike. So there is a little cost to it, but if you amortize that over four or five years and you look at how much you're going to spend each month, uh, you know, for fitness, it's, it's worth it. You know, for me, it was worth it. There's plenty of other ways. I have a spin bike too. That's not, doesn't have the electronics. And I think I bought it for a hundred bucks. So you can also do the Peloton program without the Peloton bike, so it doesn't give you the feedback, but you can still take the classes, and it would be just as good. So you could go buy a $100 bike. But for me, I just need that competition. I just yeah, need to know, yeah. oh, hey, can I, could I get to the top 1,000 out of a class that has 5,000? Could I get to, a, you know, who knows what? And it doesn't yes. make any difference. I mean, who cares where you're at in the thing? But it, it's just the thing that drives me internally. And it keeps me in better shape. And I was just shooting that thing in Minnesota. The guy I was with is, I don't know, 6'2", 6'3". He's got these super long legs. And he runs marathons. And we're filming this thing. We're filming sporting dogs, right? So his dog's out hunting pheasants. And we're trying to keep up with the dog. And, and he can't tell his dog to go slower. But he doesn't have any problems keeping up. But I'm back there with, you know, little Johnny Short Legs back here. And I'm trying to to keep up and there's a foot and a half of snow in places and sometimes there's four foot drifts in other places and then there's ice and we were doing eight to ten miles a day and I didn't keep up 100% but I'll tell you what if I was out of shape I wouldn't have got anything so it really worked I mean it just pays off to be in shape and and do that to be able to do those kind of shoots and that was your first I'm gonna I'm gonna spin it out here this is your first go around with the mirrorless too right we're gonna hear a little bit about that yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do we want trip? to do that now, or do we want to do? No, that? we don't. We don't. But I'm just—it's cool because that was all part of this 
you know, psychology of, of managing fitness is part of it, but managing our gear to be most effective, to create the product we want to take to market. And the excitement over the past couple of months about mirrorless technology, and it's another way to reduce kit size, right? right. And so for a situation like that, it makes the job easier, perhaps. And I want to hear about that later in the podcast as we talk about our year in review. But so that's cool. That's a good pro tip. Yeah, fitness is important. And and just it helps our overall mental well-being, right? If we are, we, but you, obviously you get better results for photography as well by being able to be out there keeping up with the animals. Ron, what's your pro tip for this week? So I think we talked about this uh, in one of our practice podcasts, but I don't think we've ever touched on it in uh, one that we've put out there. And it is a little bit gear-related. And, you know, in regards to shooting in the winter, a lot of people just decide not to go out if it's if it's real cold and and I'm talking you know 20 30 below zero Fahrenheit uh, I think it would be about the same Celsius right yeah um, but there are some advantages to shooting when it's real cold and the biggest advantage is animals tend to stay active longer during the day so you you don't just have that golden hour shoot when the animals are active they'll stay active all day because they require more energy to survive so they're out feeding for longer durations and one of the things that you run into is coming in and out of um in and out of a house in and out of a vehicle and how do you take care of your gear because you can get you know the most of the cameras now especially you know the prosumer and the the pro in cameras are are pretty well weather sealed but some of the uh you know the consumer models the starting models that that people are using, they get, they'll take great images, uh, but they're not weather sealed. So one of the things you have to be careful of is coming in and out from real cold weather with a metal object, because what you're going to do when you get inside and, and your camera, that cold metal hits the warm air, you're going to have condensation on your lenses. You're going to have condensation on your camera bodies. And that's going to lead to electrical issues if you don't take care of it. So one thing that I do, I take the cheap route. Um, if I'm just going, if I know I'm going in and out and I just pack, you know, one camera with me to go out, you know, for a wildlife drive or, or go out for a, an intentional shoot and I'm not taking the bag is I take a garbage bag, a plastic garbage bag is all you need. Uh, if you have your camera bag, that's fine. Throw it in the camera bag, zip it up. But once you get inside, I, the other thing that I do is I take my cards out before I bag it. Um, but once you get inside, you want to let that camera and your lens stay in the bag until it's about room temperature. And then you can take it out. You're not going to have that con condensation issue. But if you just walk in, set it on the set it on the couch, set it on the shelf in that warm air, you're going to have condensation and that can lead to some pretty pretty serious issues if you don't have a camera that's uh, completely weather sealed or a kit that's completely weather sealed. So if it's in a plastic bag, you have the opportunity where you can just basically feel at some point it's at room temperature. Right. I've, ne I've never tried it with the plastic bag. I always have my backpack. And even if I'm not yeah. using the main camera out of the backpack, I still leave it outdoors if I'm on a hike and I pack everything in before entering a warm space and zip it up. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I don't, and like you say, there was a great hack to take your memory cards out because you want to download them that night. Right. So you take them out, pocket them so you can download without touching your camera gear, 
zip up my pack and bring it in and then I don't touch it until the next day. Why I bring this up is I want to ask you and from your opinion and I, I, I don't look at it. So I assume the condensation hasn't occurred because it's insulated in this padded backpack. But would sealing it in a plastic bag like a garbage bag be a more consistent way to manage or reduce or eliminate, let's say eliminate the risk of moisture condensation with the room with the huge temperature fluctuation than just zipping it in an insulated or padded backpack. You know, I think a lot of the a lot of the travel bags that we use are are fairly weather tight. They're not waterproof. They have right. rain coverage, you know, that kind of thing. But I think it it serves the same purpose. Uh, if you put it in a plastic bag, the reason I use plastic is because it is you tie the knot, it's completely airtight. You're not going to have any moisture inside that, you know, other than a little bit of air that's inside the bag uh, when you come in. But it is otherwise it's weather tight. Um, when you bring it in in your zip bag, obviously you'll have a little bit of air leak in the zipper, but I don't think it's going to be enough to, you know, to worry about. I think zipping it up in your, if you take your full kit, your full pack with you, if you zip it up in the pack, I think you're going to be serving about the same purpose. And you can always throw a blanket over the top of that. And then that gives you just another layer of protection. But yeah, the, the idea is make sure, <laughs> make sure that you, uh, you don't just take it in, set it on the shelf, bare naked, exposed camera. Right. Camera. Well, and, and it's something that I'm I'm more concerned about now because the the gear historically was better weather weather sealed, but now like this Nikon two to five hundred lens that I'm so fond of, clearly is not as weather sealed as other older professional zoom lenses. Right. So the last thing I want to see is condensation on this lens. I didn't lose a lot of sleep. I mean, I was always careful about it, but it, once in a while I I knew I had condensation on my camera gear lens switching these from these extreme environments but it didn't concern me as much as now if, if it's not weather sealed if one of those these interior lens elements gets condensation and then dries and shows any water residue done right so i'd be you know something we maybe have to be a little more cautious about with some of these lenses that have or camera bodies for that matter that might be a little cheaper housing now still do the job for quality for us but the housing is not as rigorous as it used to be and just an extra precautionary hack so i think it's timely it's a good one to talk about yeah and that works the other way too right it works if it's too if it's really hot and humid outside i have yeah. this problem a lot you know i don't i live in a really dry non-humid place and when you go to, if, if I'm going to Florida to do a shoot for a client and I'm not thinking about it, you know, you open up your bag in the hotel room and whatever you're doing and you leave it out and it's the air conditioner is on all night and all your cameras are nice and cool. And then you walk out in the morning and it's whatever, 80 degrees and 100% humidity, it's instant condensation. So I've learned now that I just leave my my bag, my cameras, I just leave them in the car. Well, it really well, you depends. Don't say that. Right? Don't yeah, say exactly. That. You really got to watch danger, it. You danger. know, can you do yeah. it? Can you do that? If not, you know, sometimes I'm shooting with a big lens and I don't want to take it all apart every night because we'll be shooting in a place where it's the hotels at the place where we're shooting and all. So I have my big lens set up with everything and I don't want to take it all apart to get it to fit in a bag. So I'll run into a hotel room and grab if it's a bag, if it's a room that has two beds, 
I basically make one the camera bed and I'll just grab all the sheets and blankets and I'll just wrap that that camera up in that and then take it into the room that way and then it tends to work fine in the morning when I go out it's not like it's too cold it stays stays at a decent temperature to go out in the morning and shoot so that's what that's what happened when we were in Colorado I guess is the snoring was all faked he just didn't have a camera bed so he needed to get me out of there (laughs) that's right it's it's, it's a lot of TLC for his gear for sure (laughs) But if it works for you, you know, we all have to do what works for us. Well, and I guess my big problem is, is I just don't live in an area like that. So I don't think about it. But I would think if Doug was on this podcast, he'd be, he'd be saying, well, yeah, dummy, this is humid down here. You need to watch your gear, but I just don't think about it. And, but now I do, I've had a, I've had a the bad experience once. And that taught me to, to realize that if you're going somewhere humid, if you go to the Caribbean this time of year, you're going to have that problem. So mm-hmm. just watch yep. it. Yeah, if if you have central air in the summertime and it's a humid day, that's not going to work if you take your gear outside. So be aware of that too. Yeah. So okay, what's so your my, pro tip? My pro tip is about composition, and I'm I'm somewhat reluctant to do this as a pro tip, but I just have to because I see it over and over and over again, and I get questions from people frequently enough about how to make their photography better. And we talk about everything on our podcast about photography and basically from the very start to gear to what you need to deliver, how you can improve. Well, something that is just happens all the time is people don't watch the backgrounds. And it doesn't matter whether it's a close-up of an animal or an environmental picture where an animal is a little portion, rule of thirds, whatever you're doing compositionally, doesn't matter if you're not watching the background. And how often do you look at images on Instagram, which we all do daily, I'm sure, and you see a great shot of an animal that has a tree growing out of its head or its butt, or the branches behind it are catching the light and it looks like a whole bunch of lightsabers going on behind the animal. These things, it's just a matter of Controlling one's excitement, which we all feel, it's what we love to do, so we're all excited, no matter how experienced we might be in the field, to take the moment and think about not just where the animal is, not just the exposure, I mean, where it is in the composition, the exposure, watching for the catch light, all these important variables, but look beyond the animal and see what the background is to make sure that there aren't any or very minimal distracting objects to take the attention away from the main subject. And light plays a big part in this. How do you avoid this? Well, if you can't avoid it, don't take the picture if the background is crazy with distractions. Otherwise, think about the light. You can either wait for the animal to move, which they do. It can move 10 yards and you could change the framing and maybe those distracting branches Uh, will disappear because they're no longer behind the animal and they don't have to be part of the image. Or if it's a tolerant enough situation, we can move one way or the other to change the background behind the animal. And it doesn't doesn't have to be a static object. You can also see images where you have a group of animals and some animal pops its head up over the rump of another and it looks like the animal's got a head on either end. doesn't make sense. So just paying attention to the background of what you're photographing 
is paramount to creating the best quality images possible. So I just see it again and again, and, and sometimes with very experienced photographers too on social media where they're putting up their work. So that's another visual compositional tool to be aware of to continue to improve one's photography is, is watching the backgrounds and minimizing distracting lights in the background that catch lights on objects or other animals or just awkward things popping out of animals. So that's my pro tip for this week. I've been called out on that. <laughs> I remember one time I put up a picture and I was just throwing a picture up, right? I just wanted, it was in the early days of Instagram and I shot an elk and there's an aspen tree going right up through <coughs> its head. And this dude, I don't even remember who it was. He's like, come on, Michael, what are you doing? So uh, it's something I pay attention to a lot when I'm posting an image, but I also pay, you know, it's more important. You pay, pay attention to it when you're out shooting. Right. And, and I think about that too. It's, it's a good reflection on, on social media and Instagram. When I started Instagram, I was putting up what I consider to be good images, but images that would just appeal to people good enough to get traction. And I was holding back my Ace of Hearts and my Ace of Diamonds and the good I wasn't stuff. putting them up the good stuff because of some reluctancy with social media, not understanding the platform that well and worry about concern of it popping up elsewhere despite the watermarks and stuff like that but as my instagram account has grown i've come to the realization that i i have to put up good stuff because now i have a lot of clients a lot of editor friends that are on there and i and it's actually the most useful tool i believe now for show and tell of a portfolio because as much of it's I mean, we all have these websites that historically and hopefully to some degree still function as the best, a good way to show our portfolios. But nothing is as modern and changing as Instagram and these social media platforms because they're visited daily by everybody. So I now feel like I, I, have to, I had to change my game and put up more kings and queens and aces for, for lack of a better metaphor, on on Instagram to make sure that I'm getting the attention of everybody, uh, showing the best of what I can do to really represent my portfolio. So that's another little hack is as far as wanting to grow Instagram accounts to put up good material, which leads me into the question of the week. Uh, with this segment, I received a, a question on Instagram uh, from a new uh a person who's new to the platform, and he said, Hey, Mark, I was wondering if you could give me some tips on how to get more people to like my page. And he had quite a bit of moose content, which I liked, of course, and, and but he had no captions on his images, and he had no hashtags. So it was just a matter of, of out of the gate saying, well, use hashtags to attract people to your page. And using various ones and the obvious ones, you know, describing that animal and wildlife and scenes and whatever the seasonality is and some catchy ones you can think of as well. Like today I put up a moose, so I put up giant and king or giants and something that isn't necessarily totally 100% related to the animal, but will still grab attention. And then he followed up with another question uh, about a, a few days later, and he'd lost some followers, and he wanted to know why he was losing followers, and he went from 128 followers to 121. And really, when that happens, there's no stress 
needed. I mean, it's not relevant because you get followers that tag on for one of two reasons, either just to get noticed or to get you to follow them back, or it's some kind of marketing spin from some company. And they're not, if you follow them back, they're still going to disappear the next day, the next 24 hours, they're gone. There always will be that fluctuation. So not to pay that much attention to those, those small numbers of fluctuation. The trick is, and as I was alluding to with my pro tip of the week at the conclusion of that is that it has put up your best work. Your best work will get the most traction, accompany it with a good caption, something eloquent, something describing the scenario in an appealing way or how it moved you or what it meant to you or what this, what this experience was like in a way that will resonate with the viewers for those that will read it. And arguably maybe only half of the people flipping through Instagram read the captions. I hope more do, but I wholeheartedly believe that when they do read it, if it's a good caption, more people will hit that like and also probably follow your page. So a good caption, the best images you can put up, be consistent. You know, I've heard that daily is the best. It doesn't matter if you miss a day or two or three. But if you miss weeks, that impacts the growth curve according to the, what I recognize in the algorithms with Instagram. So to be consistent, putting up images. And the final thing, again, was the hashtags. And I've seen people, especially right out of the gate, when I started this years ago, you're allowed a maximum of 30 hashtags. And people were saying, and I was reading on various blogs, that putting up 30 is overkill, don't do it, you look ridiculous. Well, I disagree. I think if you can put up 30, use 30, because how many people, now you tell me, how many people read the hashtags and take the time to scroll down? We're lucky if they read the caption. Odds are they're not going to scroll down and say, oh, well, Steve or Cindy put up 30 hashtags. That's too many. Nobody cares. The point of the hashtags is it gets traction, and more people, when they hashtag nature photography, will see your image for that bit of time it's at the top of that feed they'll see it so the more of those the better in my books because nobody pays attention and it's still cool if you have 30 hashtags so that's my reply to the question of the week was about his concerns around social media and over the past couple of weeks he has employed hashtags and i've noticed he's up by about 50 percent on his followers already you guys have anything you want to throw in there before we jump into the amazing year of 2018 for the Wild and Exposed podcast team? Do you run? I'm probably the worst person in the world to ask about Instagram. I'm still, you know, I didn't start it until we started. We started this mission about a year ago, and I'm sure you'll get into that, Mark. But um, I didn't start Instagram because. I just didn't feel like I had any need to. I, I was on Facebook. I was real active on Facebook. Uh, Facebook started to change some things. I moved over to Instagram, and I'm still just a little bit under 2,000 um, inside of a year. I don't know if that's good or bad. I know there's some things that I definitely could do better. I know there's, you know, just interacting with people, I think, is is another thing that, you know, if you're if you do follow a hashtag, if you interact with people, then once in a while, or leave a comment for them. Once in a while, that'll take them to your page. Uh, the ones that I definitely don't do that with, or the ones that say, "Hey, come look at my page. You'll really like it." Right. Those are those are gone. I mean, 
that's just you know another clickbait idea trying to get him get him to take a look a little too so, obvious yeah yeah i think i think you're doing great and and that's something i i meant to add even that was that it does take years it's mm-hmm. not something i mean maybe for some and it's something that we need to continue to dive into more as a team to share with our listeners and and i i, I have a sit-down meeting with potentially a new friend coming up who is has been very successful in some of these platforms, and I just wanted to learn about his marketing strategy. So from those that are in business and wanting to grow their portfolios accordingly, we know that we can promote images by paying. But that's right. a whole other venture that there are so many variables that you can pick and choose from as far as a, where it goes out to, the time of day, how many days the day of the week, how many days it stays on for, how much you pay. You know, I want to quiz a few of these people that have been extremely successful at growing their, their pages in a short period of time, how they did it and whether they invested a lot. And if so, what the marketing strategy was and ultimately how is it paying off? You know, we know with YouTube, we want to, you know, that's something that's important is the following and and subscribers to that. And Instagram is something that I'm still, I still have to experiment and see if how it can financially prove uh, successful. And we'll, <clears throat> excuse me, hopefully, well, we will have in the months ahead some experiments that might reveal that some more. And I have been playing with some things as well that haven't been as productive as I thought yet um, with Instagram. But anyway... Um, and there was a, yeah, so it will take, it will take years to, but it grows exponentially faster as, mm-hmm. as it comes along. The one thing that I would put in there with the caption is sometimes I'll go in there and I'm not, I'm like Ron, I don't have a huge following and I've actually missed two or three days and then I'll put up an image and, you know, it continues to grow, but it's not crazy like yours, Mark. But one thing that well, I like to do in crazy. the captions Oh yeah. Yeah. I've seen, I saw somebody the other day that had like 9.5 million followers. It's like crazy how many. That's crazy. But, uh, I'll sometimes have put up a picture where it's a comical picture or it's a anthropomorphism type picture. And then I'll say, caption this. And then you invite people to interact with you. Right. And a lot of times those Mm -hmm. people will, you know, people will just want to get in on the fun of oh this would be a cool caption or i would have captioned it this way and you got that chance to do that so interacting with your audience is is fun to do too so that sometimes is a way to to genuinely grow your your audience and not deal with some of these bots and some of these people that you know i find my feed doesn't really fluctuate that much at all it's always steadily going up i don't see well but again i don't watch it every day either so i don't think i really drop but i think it's because you know, I, it's it's very slow growth, and it's very just people that are interacting with me. You know, and that right. seems, yeah. seems to grow it a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's something I don't know this for a fact, but I have some suspicion where if I've posted every day for two or three weeks, and then I miss like four days, it's almost like the algorithm gets lonely and thinks you're losing interest, and when you post the next one. He has a little more boost to it. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> but that seems to happen where if I let it, if I go consistently for a good period of time and then 
quiet for a few days, that next image or two seems to get more traction. And the other tip I'll give that I've started doing recently as well for the size of my account and wanting it to get to that next level is interacting with some of the biggest hubs out there and commenting on their images that they feature within that first 15 minutes or hour. If I, if it's been, so if it's an account that has 2 million followers and it's a post, an image that's been up for a day and it already has 710 comments, I don't bother. But if it's been up for 15 minutes and has 15 comments, I'll put a complimentary comment on it and I'll make sure it has enough words that it gets to the top of the list too. It's not just like, that's awesome. I'll comment and it'll be a sentence or two so it gets more traction as well and will hold a higher place in that comment column. Now again, we all know very few people are gonna read the comments, but when it's a when it's a page that has two or three or four million viewers, you're gonna get traction that way. And then you just hope because it's a similar contented page about nature photography, let's say, and then they see you know, it's Mark Raycroft wild photo. Well, what's that? What's that about? And then they click and then hopefully they see and, and become interested in the page. So that's another tactic that I've been employing recently on, on the most productive hubs out there as well. I'm glad I listened to this podcast because I just learned a new trick. <laughs> well, it'll be, our, it'll be our little secret. <laughs> so I want to encourage our listeners to please feel free and send us your questions as we will answer them all as well as feature one on each week's podcast. So keep them coming in. We do enjoy them. I enjoy the interaction and the positive feedback on whatever platform it is. And we'll look forward to sharing more of these question contests because it educates everybody out there and, and gives us time to reflect on these subjects ourselves as well. So 2018, I mean, I've, I, I'm a blessed person to have been a wildlife photographer for 25 years in this field, having these experiences. You know, I, I'm probably, I feel very grateful day to day. I should be reminding myself more how I've had, I mean, my passion has driven me to this, this place, but I also been very fortunate to do this and love it. And the field time, this is my highlight time of year, any of these adventures in the field. So for 2018, you know, Michael and I had talked for years about a new project together, but we were both so busy and we we always enjoyed meeting up at, in locations and, and hanging out and filming and telling stories and and pranking one another and having good times. But it wasn't until this year and with the addition of Mr. Ron Hayes that this project took root and we were able to get going. And now also with the addition of Doug Gardner and his varied talents to add to the crew the team that the idea of this podcast, this wild and exposed podcast came to fruition and it has grown throughout the year. And I, I mean, I can't thank you guys enough for the fun, the friendship, for the love, for the learning, for the laughs of this year, the trips we've done together could be the podcasts that we've been on together, but I mean, we've had a lot of fun in the field and that's our preferred way to deliver to you is when we can all be in one location and we can create these vlogs. Tyler, thanks for your contributions with the vlogs this year. And Doug, yours are awesome as well. Thanks for getting those and putting them up on the YouTube channel. But it just continues to grow. And, you know, I, and we've met so many people this year. We've had wonderful guests from 
varied experiences in varied parts of this industry. And we've met other people through social media. It's just been a, a very enjoyable experience that continues to evolve. And I'll admit to you guys, when we started this last December, as fun as it was to jump in with both feet, I had this idea that, you know, well, yeah, it's good. We'll do this one day a week and it'll be a fun project and we'll see where it goes. Well, it became far more than one day a week, <laughs> but, be but because you guys are so awesome and it's a fun project, it's been good. And I just want to thank you for the year. And, and I don't know. I mean, I was, when we launched in July, July is when we said, hello world, wild and expensive poses out there and I had all kinds of feedback from friends and family like dude what are you doing when I search wild and exposed I'm I don't see you <laughs> like well then search wild and exposed podcast and then we got the website up you know Michael did a phenomenal job at creating our website and so people could find us and then we've been tethering in these other platforms and uh, it's it's been a great adventure but the first one we launched with it was I think the right choice with your your time in Antarctica and Patagonia and that experience is just like, hey, this is what we're about. And and that was a fun one to record in Wyoming on that trip where the three of us was there. We're there at Ron's. And that was another trip that I had no idea how much fun was in store. I you know, as much as it's it's I'm a charismatic megaphonic kind of guy. I like everything to do with nature, from the smallest things to the biggest. Going on a gross trip was not something that was on my radar before the conversation that we had. You know, when there's an opportunity like we had in the Rocky Mountains, Ron, the gross is there. Let's do it and let's have some fun. But to go for that, I'm like, I'm going, you know, I love these guys. It's going to be fun. I've never been to Wyoming. It was a blast, right? I mean, we're still talking about ghillie suits. So there you go. <laughs> And, well, and, I think and, that's what it is, right? I mean, it, and hopefully it does it for our audience too, where you just get to experience through us something that one of us might not try. You know, Ron does grass all the time. I never really did. I'd heard about it and I always had a, a desire to go do it. And then you heard about it, but you were like, no, I'm, I'm just the, the charismatic megafauna guy. But then we go do it. And now I'm, I was talking to Ron the other day. When are we going to do this again? What, what? When do we need to need to be ready to go? And and Ron's already right looking for other leks for us to go film on. So it's a way to, I guess, share our experiences and share new things that you may never do as a listener. You may never do it, but at least you can hear about it and you can be educated. And sometimes you're going to learn a tip, and sometimes you're going to learn that that we we use something as a tip, or we put it out there as a tip for one thing, but you can use it for something else. So hopefully, what we're doing is is a of interest and educational for a lot of people out there. Well, exactly. And that, I, I, I'm so excited about that, but they also will, will be those people who want to do it and figure out how to do it. And, you know, we can give them some guidance on how to do it in a way that's productive. And, and at least in, in this case with Lex referring to them, you know, minimal impact and being respectful of that situation. But there, when we had the ghillie suits on with those sharp tailed dancing all around us, I mean, that was hilarious. That was fun. I mean, you can't help but joke around and have fun after that's all finished that morning. Exactly. Yeah. And everybody needs to go look at the uh, the YouTube video that Ron and Doug did a couple of years ago because they are having some fun in the ghillie suits and, 
and they yeah. do get awful close. I mean, they actually had to move in those things. So that's an, a, a good reason to go take a look at that video on YouTube because you really get a, a sense of what those ghillie suits do. And then, and then we had the Northern Rockies for bears and more. And I have to say it was a relief, and I was so excited that, you know, Ron had put the request out to get the Cubs of the Year. And yeah, we had, uh, I can't even remember what, three sets now. Three yeah, sets I think, of it, I think we had uh, triplets. Tri that, three three sets, sets of triplets. triplets. Right. That's right. That was unprecedented it in was all the in, years I've been doing this. Insane. And that, I guess that would be my highlight is, you know, there's all these places that you want to go, but it's always, yeah, I'll, I can do that later. I can do that later. And now it's, uh, you know, this year has been one of those, nope, we're going to do it. And we're going to do it as a group. And to number one, to be able to see some of those places. And number two, to be able to go with you guys that have been there before. And, you know, to meet so many new people uh, on the path. People that, uh, honestly, I've met more people that I have interacted with on social media this year. Uh, than I ever have before and and been able to, you know, have those uh, online relationships kind of move into the real relationship realm. So that's, you know, that's been a big positive for this year. But just getting to some different locations and, uh, you know, I've always, you know, even told my kids, you got to you got to live life. You can't just sit back and watch it go by. And this year has been one of those years for me. So it it is it's been one that's reinforced that thought process for sure it's cool to get out and one of the cool things about that bear trip was we actually did a podcast out yeah. in the woods right that was kind of cool and i want to do more and more and more of that and i mean i think we finally have the equipment organized and situated so that we can do these remote podcasts on a more frequent basis but to be in the middle of the day and have just shot whatever we shot or filmed whatever we filmed and just plop down and, and talk about it is, is kind of cool. So that was a good first run at this. And it's amazing what I think about over the past year is it's amazing. You know, when we started talking about it, it's like, oh, yeah, well, we can just sit down and start talking about this, throw it out as a podcast, and we'll be good to go. But how many did we do before we actually felt like, oh, okay, I, I think we might be kind of close to wanting to put this out for prime time. One yeah. a week for four months, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think at some point we're going to have to go put out that very first one just in maybe in 20 years from now. We'll put it out there. Yeah, let's wait a bit. <laughs> yeah. But it was so bad. It was so it bad. Oh, okay. it couldn't be too bad. Well, I have a short-term memory maybe. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I don't know. But I do, I just remember get, finishing with it. I'm like, ah, hopefully we'll just come into some sort of, right. it'll gel. You know, part of it for me is just getting over the whole listening to yourself talk kind of thing. When we have headphones on, there's no way around it, right? And everybody hates their own voice. So once you get past that and you just know you're talking about good stuff, and then you get feedback. When you get feedback from the audience and they're asking us questions or you meet someone in the field and they recognize that we were doing that podcast, it's it's kind of cool. It's kind of fun to, to be able to share and and like you said, Ron, meet a lot of people because I've done the same thing where people are coming mm -hmm. out of different places and interacting and having fun. Yeah. 
I think it's a very refreshing time to be a wildlife photographer because with the way people can interact now on social media, there's a lot of sharing and camaraderie and friendships to be had. It's very different than 20 years ago where there were only a few people all competing for jobs and it was not everybody, thankfully, but there's definitely a lot more of an adversarial secretive mindset. That's ancient history, thankfully. And, and people who do this are passionate about it. Not everybody might have the same perspective as one another, but fundamentally the core of it is love of nature and wildlife and these animals and these experiences and the outdoors and just living life. So for the most part, yeah, it is, it's been a thrill and, and to meet all kinds of people in the field, in person, and as well on social media. And, and I am grateful for this platform and this way to communicate with people nowadays and with you guys. And we come from such different backgrounds that... You know, I'm so happy with with the way we've solidified that way as a team and with personalities and and you know I I should probably conclude by thanks for putting up with me. <laughs> on on uh, and then and in July I had the experience the first time going to Alaska in the summer where the sun hardly ever set and life life didn't stop and rivers of bears and. We had a lot of fun on that trip, and I know that there have been trips I would like to see, and this is something I, I mean, I hope will grow so we can all be a part of the majority of the trips together when we're more availability that way. But we've each done trips on our own or with just with one other member of the podcast team, but the best of when we've all done it together when we can. But I had a lot of fun with Michael those couple of weeks and experienced a lot of country that I'd never seen before, and... Again, that wouldn't have been possible. And and some of the interviews that we did, the guests that we had that time too, like all year long, having more in-depth conversations with these people that we might only have known for a couple of years or maybe have known for 20 years and get to sit down and learn more about them and you know their impressive career and what's made them who they are and what their highlights are and what they want to share with our listeners has been a lot of fun. And it's a whole you know other experience and then just what we bring ourselves you know which i hope is entertaining and will continue to grow and be entertaining but i love the fact that we have these guests on frequently as well that's the cool thing about this format too right with with skype and being able to talk to somebody and you know well like we're doing right now we're all in different parts mm -hmm. of the country but if we're all in the same place we can still skype somebody in from you know wherever georgia or nova scotia or mm -hmm. wherever and and have a discussion. Norway. I love that. I love hearing other people's stories. It just kind of either validates what you're doing or it gives you ideas to go do something else or it inspires you or, or you like realize, Oh, I'm doing this all wrong. I need to go about it this way. And I just love those kinds of podcasts as well. And we've got big plans that way. We just haven't mapped it out yet officially and what we're going to do but i know we've talked about a lot of exciting future trips and destinations and you know my personally my objective is to take people to where they might not have been before or something that's on their quote bucket list and share that adventure with them and how we were able to do it you know what we found out while exploring and doing these trips the successes the failures the, the trials and tribulations of each trip you know i want to go further afield I mean, obviously, we can do stuff in our own backyards, and we'll continue to share that, you know, within day trips of where we are with vlogs and podcasts. But I'm really hoping we can go to some crazy, fun places 
that will take people on a brand new adventure this year and as that continues to grow. So I know I've, I've been trying to map that out in my mind because there are some destinations that require a fair amount of forethought and planning and commitment to lock it in. And especially when you want to coordinate a team of people like what we would like to bring to tell the whole story together. So I'm really excited about where this will go. So 2019 is, well, I hope it's as good because I have, it's been a lot of fun in 2018, but who knows? It may even be better. Oh, I know it's going to get better. No, no, well, there's content. no who's knows. <laughs> no, but I mean, as far as the fun we're having oh. in the destinations, but yeah. So yeah, if there are places that, and, and subjects that people want to hear about from our listening audience too, you know, feel free to let us know. The more of that feedback we get as well can help, you know, us select where our destinations and, and our podcast content will go. So if we get enough people asking about what it's like to explore the fjords in Norway, not trying to plant any seeds here, but if enough people want that, we will try to find the budget to go. Oh, I was going to say Puma's in Argentina. Ah, yeah. that that I've never done that. I don't know how to do that. It's time to learn and figure it out and go. Figure it out. Go take off to Argentina, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say, you know, one thing that I would like to have more of in 2019 as people listen to this is uh, more interaction. We've been, you know, Mark's come with the question of the, the question of the week or the question of the show. Um, but I'd like to see some of our content be led, you know, as Mark kind of threw it out there just a minute ago, as, as people have questions or, or question, you know, one species or another, what are the opportunities available? What are the the requirements, the physical requirements of doing some of these trips? You know, those are things that if we don't have the firsthand knowledge, that would give us the opportunity to go get it. But the interaction and uh, having people shoot those messages to us, I've been interacting with a few people and that, you know, there's always questions about their images, asking, asking to go look at images and things like that to, to get some feedback. You know, those are those are great things, and those are some things that I'd like to continue to do um, to to work on that mentorship. But also, what do you want to see, whether it's through your own eyes or or ours? And the other thing is, you know, if if you'd be interested in doing some of these trips, we don't have plans in the books hard yet, uh, but we have talked about you know maybe doing some trips or workshops, things like that. So if that's an interest out there, let us know that too. And that will kind of tell us what directions we need to be looking at. But it has been a great year already. I just see this thing picking up steam. And uh, it's been a blast. Well, so I think we talked basic... about at one point too is doing a, a portfolio review or something. That would be kind of a cool, mm -hmm. you know, maybe some sort of show once every couple of months where we review two or three do it. portfolios yep, or something. Sure. Yeah, that would be great interactive. And, you know, I've noticed more and more people tagging us mm -hmm. on social media, tagging the wild and exposed Instagram page and so that we see the images that way. And, yeah, I think that there are a few ways that we've talked about diversifying and, and continuing to grow the podcast content, and that's definitely one. But, yeah, we would like to have more interaction 
uh, as much as it has been growing and has been very positive and enjoyable, definitely want more interaction with our audience in, in that way as well. Cool. Well, before we wrap this thing up, I just wanted to give you guys a little input on this bad boy. The what? That 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 is that is not not the uh, the Osmo Pocket. It's not the Osmo <laughs> Pocket. You should be holding not. that up for scale in the beginning. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> Put them side by side. So, there is no comparison. Here we go. I mean, here okay, we are. So, we're talking. We're on a pod. We're on audio podcast. So I guess we better explain what we're doing. Um, you're looking at you're looking at the wrong. You explain it, but I what I'm I want to know. Well. You should introduce what you're showing us on the video there, but how different is that from my Zion 2 that I bought and was using this year? Is I it, don't know I mean, for a fact. Is that the Ronin that, This is the Ronin, the Ronin. Okay, yeah. So and I don't right. think it's that much different at all. I think they're the same right. pretty much. I mean, right. it's Got really. In fact, I've seen good and bad about both where they say, oh, the Ronin sure. does this better. And then the, mm -hmm. how do you say that? Zion? Zion? I think I, I thought it was Zion, but. So, I could, you know, I could they be do this that. better and you know right. i think it's just a game between those two just who can come up with sure. the coolest stuff but uh, kind of what you alluded to earlier in the podcast and i was talking about with that little assignment that i had earlier this month in minnesota mm -hmm. was i had to go out and try to document these sporting dogs and it's like what equipment is going to do that job and i i had no idea even talking to the guy i had no idea what to bring other than I knew I needed to be fairly mobile but I it was way more mobile than I even had imagined I mean I really had these visions of it kind of goes with what we just said with about the podcast too right because you have when you go photograph something or you're going to go photograph something for the first time that you've never done before you've seen images you kind of build up these things in your mind that say oh it's going to be these rolling fields and uh you know there's going to be plenty of opportunity to to move and you don't have to go through like what I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I pictured this really easy flowing moving scenario. And when I got there, it was far from that. It was, Hey, we're going to go through these cattails that you can't even see over and you, you better follow me and Oh, and watch out for the ice. Cause you're going to break through in places and then you're going to be up to your hips and in, in water. So then you got to watch your gear. And I mean, it was just one thing after another. So I really had to have the right, set up for it and i think what we have here is the the ronin s with that sony a7r3 camera it was the ticket i'll tell you what i didn't think i would be able to run all day with it but i did you know it got a little tiring at times but the whole weight of the whole thing might be i don't know eight pounds nine pounds but the 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 gimbal on it is so good that it it made for pretty nice steady shots. You still get a little bit of that walking motion when you're walking because, you know, I'm shooting something that you don't know what's going to happen when it's going to happen. So you pretty much have to roll all the time. You just have to start rolling and then just keep rolling the whole time. So there's just tons of footage of people walking and you still see that little walking movement to a, a degree, but you look at it and it's not that distracting at all. So it's pretty awesome. Well, I, I want I want to say that that's one of the cool things about our weekly conversations and podcasts and guests is that we're constantly learning about this new gear, which is coming out so frequently. Every six months, there seems to be some new tool that can help do what we love to do. And a year ago, we didn't have this, or at least I didn't. And it was a game changer for our trip 
up north in Alaska in early September mm-hmm. for vlogging. You know, we I picked up the Zion there, and Tyler had figured it out within the first day or two, and we were running and rolling with it and shooting all those those moose and caribou and doll sheep vlogs on that, and it was an awesome tool. And the Ronin S, it was just out at that time, but everywhere I was looking was sold out. And so I did the same thing as you, Michael. I looked on YouTube, and the comparisons were close enough, and there was one in stock in Anchorage. And when I landed, I went right there and took the guy an hour to find it. I started to sweat some serious beads because he <laughs> said they didn't have it. It wasn't, we didn't have one in the warehouse. And somebody, it looked like I'd hidden it behind something in the warehouse, like they were going to get it later. And otherwise, all I had was the, was the Osmo 2, which was effective, but not what we were hoping for. We wanted to shoot it on a mirrorless camera that Tyler had, as well as the Osmo 2, and to give us that diversity, versatility of more than one person shooting the vlogs so and it leads me into my next question for you michael is how are you liking that sony i mean we we've covered that fairly heavily and and it's warranted over the past month or six weeks but you know my interest continues to grow in these mirrorless cameras and popping one in the bag and so since you're shooting it and you had it on this assignment you gave a you gave a thumbs up or pretty decent thumbs up for the pocket what do you think about the sony so i didn't shoot any stills with it and i haven't shot any stills with it yet so it's been all video but as far as the video goes and how it looks and the way it operates is i love it i really do um there was no opportunity to autofocus or to focus manually focus the camera when you're walking with this and you're holding it with both hands you pretty much got to rely on the autofocus and i'm not going to say it was perfect but it was pretty darn good. I mean, you figure walking through cattails that are taller than I am, and the guy that I'm filming is in, out in front of me, and the dog that we're filming is out in front of him. It wasn't perfect, but, man, it would lock on him pretty regularly and, and hold it for long enough for us to get enough good footage to help tell that story. So as far as that goes, it was good. The functionality and durability I mean, I didn't beat it up. I didn't drop it or anything like that, but it seems really well built. The learning curve sucked. The menu oh, really? system in this thing is is unbelievable. There's so much. And so I got it, and I didn't even turn it on for a day. I just went to YouTube, and I looked at all these videos of all these people that are using it, and I would just look at – I would type in video settings for Sony a 7 R. And then I would just watch somebody's video on how they shoot it. Then I'd find the next one down the list and I'd watch it and it's completely different. Somebody does this this way and somebody does this this way. And so I started picking and choosing the little things that I liked. Every button on here is is a custom function. You can set any button to do anything and everybody's doing their own little things. And so I'd, I'd watch somebody's video and I thought, oh, that's a great idea. So I'd set it up my camera that way and then I'd go to the next video and they would have it completely different and I thought oh no that's better so I'd go back in and change so I got to be pretty pretty good expert on the menu system and there's still a lot of stuff that I just haven't even touched on it yet but it's not rocket science it's just a lot of information there's a lot of stuff in there so to actually spend enough time uh, with it it's just going to take a little bit more time. But what I tend to do with these kinds of things is I find something that works and I just stick with that. I don't really, I'm not good at changing and evolving with a piece of equipment. I just find what works and I just stay with it. So I'm not sure how much more of that, but I really want to shoot some stills. 
So interesting story. And tell me if I've told you this story and then I won't, but the way I got this camera, it was, I didn't go out and buy it. I stole it. No, I, oh, I stop. Uh, <laughs> what I did is I had, you know, I built up so much equipment over the years. Right. And then you find this stuff that you don't use anymore and it just sits in a drawer and I thought, you know, last year, early in the year, I thought, yeah, I should at least put some of this stuff on Craigslist or I should do something to get some of this stuff sold. Not so much to get the money, but just to get some space back in the studio so I have more space to store stuff. And I didn't do it and I didn't do it. And then I have a buddy and I, I should check with him to see. I'll go ahead and throw it in now, but if he wants us to take it out, then I will. But there's a buddy of mine in Denver who runs a place called Recycled Photo and he buys used equipment. Now, I'm not going to get as much money as if I sold it myself, but I will. he will give you a fair price. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to take – I took three boxes of stuff to him, and I, and I gave him a list before I had a schedule. I just sent him a list of everything that I had. And he's like, well, just bring it up, and we'll, we'll go through it. I walked out of there with a $6,000 check. So then I went right from his place to the camera shop and bought this camera. So I really didn't pay for it out of my pocket. I did in a sense, but it was sure. kind of like free money that was sitting in a drawer that I didn't ever have to mess with. But I guess I bring that up because we all have that situation, right? So think about it. And I know you did that a couple of years ago, Mark, where you took a lot of the mm -hmm. old stuff that you had and, and got rid of it that way too. But um, So that's how I got it, and I'm really happy – with it so far as far as video we talked about that podcast with on the podcast with john hafner the what you see is what you get viewfinder it's yeah, pretty that cool was, uh, yeah it's pretty hearing awesome. more and more about that yeah yeah so having me. that is pretty cool i like i, said, I really want to shoot some stills with it but the only lens that i do have with it right now is this 24 to 70 so it's not necessarily a wildlife wildlife lens so i really haven't even taken a picture with it but there, there are some options for lenses. I think it's like a 100 to but it's so. five six. So, and I know a guy that runs a one four on top of the one hundred to four hundred, and then so he's like at f eight. But he's yeah. getting good stuff. I mean, so I don't know. That's not really where I want to be, but it will work if I have to. But as all in all, it was a lightweight camera. I was able to walk 10 miles a day, running it all day long, every day. The guy that I was filming, he was shocked. You know, he was like, I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe you just keep going and keep going. And I couldn't either. But I guess the deal is, is it was, I'm, my point is, is it's manageable enough that I was able to do it. And how much fun is it? Think about this, how we used to have to carry the tripod, plant the feet, level things out look through our lens you're just running and this contraption is floating along in front of you and it's not cumbersome enough to wear you out i mean it's amazing technology that changes things not i mean especially in the video action because you can follow along or run ahead or parallel and sweep by and get that footage but even for stills just to be there in that moment and well and i should that. say i mean so the, the the guy that I, I keep saying the guy that I was filming. So what we're doing is we're starting another podcast, and it's called the Sporting Dog Sporting Dog Talk, and mm -hmm. it's a podcast about sporting dogs. It's training. It's it's how, if you want a hunting dog, do you want an agility dog? Do you want a dock jumping dog? 
he's just he's into that world and i just met up with him and he's like i want to do a podcast i said well cool we'll produce it and you do the podcast and but we needed some media so that's how this whole trip came about right but i know when i got there and i i come strolling up with this little setup and i could see him looking at me like mm, i'm not quite sure what you're gonna do with that you know, i could just see that thought process in his mind and and i Honestly, I don't know what I was going to do with it because that was the first time I really shot it. So I'm like, mm, I hope this is good. But after that first day, we went back to the hotel room and I popped out the card and we started looking at the footage. And it, it was pretty darn cool where you see a nice floating, you know, uh, yeah. scene going. And we shot a lot of little setups. There was times where he would just do some sort of little pro tip for his dog stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was just flawless every time we did something. So... All in all, I'm pretty impressed. I don't Good know thing. that it's for everybody. And for video, it's for video people, especially with the gimbal setup. The camera is great. I, I, apparently, the camera is great at stills. I don't know because I haven't done it yet, but I know plenty of people that do shoot stills with it. And right. I was completely intrigued and, and excited by John Hafner's podcast with the Fuji film camera. And I was really close to getting that camera, too. The only reason I got this one is because this one is full frame. But I, I'm really impressed by the Fuji film camera mirrorless camera as well right. and for what you do do with a lot of the editorial stuff it's probably just fine so yeah I don't know. it's a tough one because i do i mean the nikon d850 checks all the boxes for me except i wrap my head around this what you see is what you get through this electronic viewfinder business that might just be enough to get me to change i mean and lightweight the issue is then you've got the new lens you're going to have to pick up, and it's a 400. I know it's a big sensor, so like the D850, you have some post-production crop factor you can play in without impacting the integrity of the file. But, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm excited about this technology. I just haven't had enough reason to purchase one yet. But I'm thinking that you and I will have to have a fun little vlog duel between your Ronin-S and my Zion and, and my 850, unless something I have different on it, and your Sony, and just see the difference between them and have fun with it. Yeah, my neighbor uh, actually got one of these, and she was running a 1DX, Canon 1DX Mark II with a 50-millimeter lens. So a much heavier camera on this same setup as far as the Ronin-S. And so I set this camera at 50, and we just walked around and shot a bunch of the same stuff just to see what we'd get. Yes. And there's definitely a difference in the cameras, but the functionality of the Ronin-S was pretty spot on as far as, you know, it, it handled the weight of a 1DX just fine. And it, you know, of course, with this littler, littler camera, it was fine too. So um, I think we'd have the same experience the big difference is going to be those cameras, right? I think these things will yeah. handle the weight. Now, you a bigger camera, you're probably going to wear out faster True. as far as walking around holding it, but that's about the only thing, I think. And like I say, the, the 1DX tends to crush the blacks, whereas this was really nice. The blacks were awesome as far as the Sony goes. This tended to be a lot warmer, but that well, could I have think, been how we were shooting. Too. Yeah. Go ahead, I Ron. think the 850, you'd find that the Sony autofocus system works a lot better on video than the D850 will. I mean, the Nikon's pretty adamant about that, and Sony, they built that camera to be dual purpose. Nikon built that to be a phenomenal still camera, 
with the video functionality as a, a sidebar. So it wasn't really the same concept when they when they looked at building it. But I think that's one thing that you would find. Uh, the Sony system is it's dual purpose, and I think you can do just about anything with it. I, I it's a good option, but I just yeah, I'm always the last one to. It took me over a year after the D850 came out of thinking was, about making that jump to to actually do it. That was a big jump, though. That's all lenses, yeah, everything. That's jump. the whole whole yeah. system. So, but this would yeah. be as well. Well, you were the first one to have the pocket in your hand, so there you go there. But <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. If, if the autofocus is that much better, and for vlogging and to be able to capture both stills and video while we're doing these trips, because really, it's multi-purpose now. It's not only a matter of building or maintaining our portfolios for our clients, but you know, this is very important to tell this story as well as we can for our podcast and listeners. I, I love that part of this. So to have we have to manage what we're carrying, right? And I know just the caribou hikes that we did in September, one day I took the tripod because Michael wasn't there. And I, I know for the project that he was working on, he, there was still a need for a caribou in velvet in green foliage. And that matched up that day. So I carried a tripod on that long hike. The next two days later, we did the hike again. I didn't take the tripod. Right, we've got to manage all our gear, and and so if we can have a system like this where you have a, a Ronin S or a Zion and, and the mirrorless camera that, that can do it all, or do more of it more successfully, mm-hmm. then for these hike, hiking adventures, it's the way to go, perhaps. And I'm, I mean, that's something I'm excited about, and and we just have to stay on the cusp of for the sake of our listeners and stuff too and i'm i'm excited that we keep bringing in this new equipment and testing it and and running with it with it and not only that but you know having guests on that are trying different brands and and different devices whether it's still or video and for different market applications too varied applications that way so uh, it's one thing i'm always learning on our podcast from, from our guests and from one another. And, and it's it's cool that we don't all have to go out and buy the Sony to, and just wait and see <laughs> see how Mike likes it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, like that, I say, that's know? why I so, threw in how I got it. It was like one of those fluky kind of things. Because I, I don't know idea. that I went out and, I would have went out and bought it right away without having, you know, just... It was so refreshing to get a check for six. It was basically, I think that's about what this cost. By the time you buy cards and extra batteries and all that stuff, it's about six thousand bucks. But it wasn't like it came out of my bank account, right? It was, it was just money that was sitting in a drawer. So I went and got it, and oh. I'm super excited. But now I'm, I really want to try some stills. I really do want to see how it stacks up. And I was talking to that guy that I did sell that equipment to, and he, I went back and. I forgot to take him a charger for an old camera body or something. So I went back up and took it to him after, after I had a chance to use this. And I told him that I used this and, but I only shot video and he's like, man, you got to shoot some stills with that. He's like, you will love the still images you get out of that. So I keep hearing good things. Haven't done it yet, but we will start playing with it. It is a little hard getting used to. Now I've only looked at the, the big screen on the back, right? I've not looked through the viewfinder like we would traditionally do when we're shooting wildlife stills. So when you look at that electronic viewfinder on the back, it does look a lot different. And it looks a lot different when you look through the viewfinder. So it may take a little bit of getting used to. But 
Yeah, These things have, change. You may lot. have the opportunity to uh, put it on a tripod and get some northern lights while you're up there with that 24 yeah. millimeter. Yeah, that I'll try it out. If you get a clear night. Yep. We've had pretty cloudy nights every every night so far, but I will definitely try that if it, if it comes out. We'll see. Well, and I, I think it was smart of you to do what you did because if we sit on our older pieces of equipment, especially camera bodies, for too long, they have no value anymore with how quickly things are changing. And I sold a camera this year because it did shoot. It was a pro body Nikon camera that was D4S. It shot video, but it was just HD. So how long is that going to be viable? And it didn't do a great job on it. So I never really dabbled much of the video on it. But what's the shelf life? You know, every six months, how much are you going to lose by just having to sit there? So really, nowadays, with the speed of technological advance, I move stuff as, as soon as I know it's no longer good, except for my Canon XF305. Who wants it? Make me oh, an offer. So I sold him one of those. <laughs> I sold him oh, a really? Canon XF300. Okay. Uh, well... So let me ship it to you. When I <laughs> so let me just tell the story. When I walked in there, I was uh, I had the XF three hundred, and I had that little battery charger right that I had to take to him. And I thought, and I had that three three hundred XF three hundred, so I just took it with me. And I, I said maybe he'll want this, maybe he won't. Showed it to him. He's like, yeah, I'll I'll do that. But while he was figuring up the price, I talked to him and I said, hey, do you ever get any big video tripod heads? do those ever come into your shop? And if you do, would you just let me know? Cause I was looking for a big one. And these, these things are like six, seven, eight, nine, $10,000 tripod heads. So I thought, well, maybe I could get a decent one at a decent price. You know, I didn't know. Um, turns out he just got one the day before, but it was pretty old and pretty beat up, but it works beautifully. So he's like, I'll give you a smoking deal on this if you want it. So we basically traded, the 300 for that tripod head and I gave him some money on top of it for that tripod head but I walked out of there with a with a tripod head for the 300 the XF 300 so he'll sell it or he'll buy it he he said there's there's a market for all that stuff I have no idea where he puts it all out there or how he manages the whole deal but there's money there's obviously money in it because he he gave me enough for all that old stuff and I was selling old red stuff I took I had an old Canon 3028, right. and I love that lens. But it's the version one, you know. I think they're now they're coming out with version three Canon lenses now, and it just it was sat in a safe, and I never pulled that thing out, and I had to struggle with that. I was like, do I really want to sell this? I'm tied, you know. This pic, this this poor lens took so many good pictures. Do I ever want to get rid of it? But it was a couple thousand bucks just sitting there doing nothing. So right. I ended up yeah, selling it. You don't use you it. You can't have these little moments. Now, I do have my last film body that I ever shot. I'll keep that forever. But I'm, I'm, I'm of your mindset. Just get it out because the stuff's changing no. so fast now that it's not worth it keeping it around. Mm -hmm. Yep, I agree. I, I think we, uh, we toast to 2018 and, and we look forward to what we have coming in store for 2019. I'm looking forward to it. So thank you to all our loyal listeners, supporters, and people who have been in communication with Wild and Exposed since July. 
And we look forward to bringing you superb content through 2019. Until next time, you've been listening to Wild and Exposed Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.